For over a year, the government of Ethiopia has been fighting against the Tigray People's Liberation Front. This conflict, beginning in the north of the country, has spiraled out of control and threatens the stability of Ethiopia. The situation has devolved to the point that the capital of Addis Ababa, the seat of the African Union, is under threat of capture. With 10,000 dead and potential human rights violations on both sides, the conflict threatens to become something far bloodier than it already is. What caused this crisis to begin? And what effect could it have on Ethiopia and the region? From the School of Diplomacy at Seton Hall University, this is the Global Current. I'm your host, Eric Butts. With me today are two fellow Seton Hall students. Covering the situation in Ethiopia is Hamza Khan. Hey, Hamza. Hey, Eric. Thanks for coming back on. And focusing on international reactions and events is David Babigian. Hey, David. Hi, Eric. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Okay, so let's go to the beginning now. And Hamza, can you tell us more about this Tigray People's Liberation Front? Who are they? What's their backstory? Okay, so basically, Ethiopia is a country with many different ethnicities, and one of those ethnicities are the Tigray people from the Tigray region in the north of Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. In the 1970s, under the Soviet-backed communist government, they were pretty repressive against uh, ethnic uh, sectarianism in the country, and the Tigray People's Liberation Front was founded in the 1970s to basically be a resistance movement against the Soviet-backed government, and they were very successful. Mm -hmm. In the 1970s, they w they began their war, and by in their insurgency campaign against the Ethiopian government. Okay. And by 1991, they were able to take the capital of Addis Ababa. 1991, the same year being the same year that the Soviet Union fell. Okay. They they took the capital of Addis Ababa and they became the most powerful. They became the ruling power of Ethiopia for the next 30 years. Okay, so a former resistance group that became the government for how long you said again? 30 years. 30 years. So they had power for a long time. Yeah. And of course, that might play into this conflict right. now. And you mentioned Ethiopia's ethnic makeup. Right. So this is just one of, of many ethnicities. Of many, almost like 90 ethnicities. But the main ones are, well, they're the most populous uh, ethnicities are the Amhara and the mm -hmm. Oromo from, okay. um, from the Amhara region and Oromia region. There's the Tigrays, the D Tigray people. Then there's also people, uh, uh, there's a Somali uh, ethnicity yeah. in, T in Ethiopia as well, yeah. and many others. And under the TPLF, which is the Tigray People's Liberation Front, yeah. under their rule, they kind of created a federal system, like a federalist system, where each state they they had their own rule. They were more autonomous in a way, yeah. but the TPLF still had the main power in the country, and mm -hmm. they tried to balance the essentially the interests of the ethnicities, but. The TPLF were seen as very brutal rulers, and they did kind of delegate other ethnicities to secondhand status and yeah. elevate Tigray, Tigrayans. And the highest government officials, they were all Tigrayans, and mm -hmm. the best positions went to Tigrayans. And many people were, were they many other ethnicities resented that yeah. how the TPLF consolidated power. So the Tigray, their 30-year government, kind of consolidated the role of ethnic groups in the government of Ethiopia through this federalist system like states if states were were based more on ethnic right 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 so this this plays a, a, a large role in politics exactly. and society in Ethiopia right. today 
So, let, let's move towards the conflict now. Who is Abi Ahmed? And, and what's his backstory? And how did this conflict start with, with Tigray? Right. So, well, before we go to that, let's just talk yeah. about the TPLF government for a moment. because The 30-year The 30-year government. government. Because they were, by most standards, they were very... And uh, they were very opposed to, they were big violators of human rights. They okay. were seen as very brutal by other Ethiopians. And they, they, were, they had this coalition, right, that they ruled with, with the, with the assistance of the Amhara party and the Oromo party. Yeah. Those were the three main groups in this coalition, which was, which was called the Ethiopian People's Revolutionary Democratic Front, the, or the EPRDF. Yeah. That was the ruling coalition, and the TPLF were the main force in that coalition lots of acronyms so yeah. it might get confusing but <laughs> <You're good. laughs> this uh, they were they were in 2018 the Amhara and the Oromo parties kind of outmaneuvered the TPLF to put Abi Ahmed in charge so Abi Ahmed he 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 is a Oromo he's of the Oromo ethnicity okay so the Oromo and he, ethnicity is also a party like yes okay. yes yes yeah ethnicity ethnicities are most of the parties are based on ethnicity okay. in, in Ethiopia and uh, Abi Ahmed he is Ethnically Oromo, and he is the son of a Muslim and a Christian uh, uh, Muslim and Christian parents, and yeah. he comes from a mixed background. So he was seen as when he was first put in charge, he was seen as somebody who could bring the country together. And Abi Ahmed, he was really a promoter of centralizing the government yeah. rather and trying to break down the sectarian tensions. He, which other the ethnic governments of the autonomous regions, they saw this as kind of a threat to them because he wanted to centralize the government a little bit more. And he obviously framed it as bringing Ethiopia together, and many people believed in him because they saw him as somebody who was from a from a background of people coming together. Mm-hmm. So he so was seen as like the rising star of Ethiopia, essentially. Okay. And so in 2018, he was ma- he was elected the prime minister by the two uh, coalitions. They put him in charge, and they kind of delegated the TPLF to a lower status. And eventually, Abiy Ahmed began stripping the TPLF of all their high-ranking positions, all the Tigrayan members of the the security posts in the yeah. government, the other high-ranking uh, national security positions. He began to basically purge them of the TPLF, and sure. and he re- he also rebranded the the ruling coalition EPRDF as the Prosperity Party. So he changed that too, and then the TPLF they. Re- they refused to join that coalition. So wait, so let me slow down for a second. Sure, sure. There's a lot of information that, that and this is all fascinating. But so Abiy Ahmed came to power uh, with a unique background because he's from multiple different ethnicities or, or or religions as well, and he came to power with a message of unity, so of breaking down some of this ethnic political structure and uniting Ethiopia, something for which he was popular enough to gain power from the Tigray. The TPLF, yes. But later in his rule, he started to remove some of the the privileged position, so to speak, right. that that the Tigrayans had in the government from when they controlled the government exactly. for the past thirty years. Yeah, and predictably, this this didn't go well. So what what right. comes next? So there's this is obviously the birth of the conflict between the two. Yeah. So. The TPLF, they they refused to join the Prosperity Party, which was the new coalition in charge, yeah. and they they basically retreated to Tigray, and they want they decided if we can if they can't rule Ethiopia, they would consolidate their power in Tigray, yeah. and that's where the elections come into play in 2020, yeah, which is how this current conflict actually began. Yes, so he canceled the elections. Right. 
and that was what what and the Tigrayans refused to cancel their elections. Yes, and that was the spark of yes. this conflict. Yes, so in in 2020. Yeah. In August of 2020, there was supposed to be an election, but there was also the COVID pandemic at that time. So Abiy Ahmed decided to delay the Ethiopian elections throughout the whole country. Yeah. And certainly he wasn't the only country in the world to do so. Many other countries have done no. so. No, but it's still canceling an election. Of course, yes, is, yes, yeah. yes, yes, exactly. So he, he his excuse is COVID. That's the main thing. Mm-hmm. He was, yeah. And other countries did use that excuse, whether that was the real intention or not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there were legitimate reasons to cancel election. Of course. Um, we saw what happened with the Wisconsin primary in the U.S. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yeah. All the way oh, back wow. in the flashbacks. Um, but there were certainly elections that were carried out through COVID. Right. So, but long story short, that didn't go well down in, in Tigray. Right. Right. So the TPLF they wanted to consolidate power in Tigray, so they went on with their elections, which the government deemed illegal, mm-hmm. and many of the opposition parties in Tigray. They boycotted that election, yeah. so the TPLF won by like 98%. Yeah. Um, so they 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 were already the power in Tigray, but now they had a sort of democratic legitimacy because mm-hmm. they did hold an election. Yeah. Which, although it was boycotted by the opposition, they they did win, and so there's this this somewhat democratic government of Tigray yeah. against the democratically elected government of of Ethiopia. Uh, so Abiy Ahmed he basically condemns. Their election, and yeah. then the the parliament of Ethiopia, they pass a resolution saying that the TPLF are not the legitimate government of Tigray. So okay. that's where the conflict comes into play because if they are not the recognized government by the by the federal government, doesn't yeah. recognize the state government, then that means they must recognize somebody else as the government of Tigray. Yeah, and that's where the conflict would play. So this in. kind of goes back to like the federal structure that we saw, exactly. the ethnic federal structure, right. because there were elections at the state level right, right. for for Tigray. Yes. Whether or not they were free and f- well, I mean, they were free and fair, but they were boycotted. Right, which exactly. Calls into question yeah. some things. But now the federal government is saying we don't recognize these elections. Yes. That would be like, uh, maybe it doesn't fit quite well. But if New Jersey held elections and the federal government was like, no, 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 uh, it, obviously that's going to cause right. conflict. Can you tell us briefly, and I want to get to David soon, but can you tell us briefly about like, the start of this the conflict. start of the conflict. Yeah, yeah. All right. So the start of the conflict began. Af- well, the TPLF they launched a surprise attack on uh, Ethiopian military compounds in Makel, which is the capital of so Tigray. The first strike was from Tigray. The, the first strike was carried out by the TPLF, okay. and they claim it was a preemptive strike because they thought that since the the federal government considers them illegal, that there would be some sort of federal intervention. Okay. So they tried to. They, so they claim that it was a preemptive strike against the uh, federal government to consolidate to make sure that they are not removed from power by force by the Ethiopian government. Okay. All right. So let's let's turn now towards how did this conflict evolved. David, I want to go to you because you've been sitting here for the past nine minutes. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry for that. I just wanted to flush out the the beginnings of the conflict You're first. I understand that at the beginning of this conflict, fighting starts. That some foreign actors had a role in this fighting, and the main one being Eritrea. Can you tell us a little bit first about the history of Eritrea's involvement uh, in Ethiopia, and then tell us about their involvement in this conflict? Sure. So just a little bit of history here, but uh, Ethiopia and Eritrea uh, were enemies for a while. They had a border dispute, and then in 2019, President Ahmed actually got a Nobel Peace Prize for resolving uh, the issue between them, and now they're close allies. Mm -hmm. So... 
It has been reported that Eritrean troops have been seen disguising themselves in old Ethiopian military uniforms and in, uh, in central Tigray, and they've been manning checkpoints and blocking vital humanitarian aid to the starving populations for over a month. Mm-hmm. However, uh, the Ethiopian government and Prime Minister Ahmed, he completely denies this. Or sorry, the Eritrean government denies this. Oh, yeah. And Eritrean troops obviously have been found there, but Ahmed said, like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll pull them out, basically saying, like, you know, we acknowledge that they shouldn't be there and we'll get them out. However, yeah. there's been, or at least there's been no reported moves that they have been leaving. Like, they, they're still there. Okay, so we have the start of, an, of a conflict, uh, an ethnic and regional conflict, which generally when you hear the word ethnic conflict, not good things come into mind. Right, of <laughs> and then we have the, in, the intervening of a foreign power, which is never a good recipe. Yes. Um, and just one more thing, like Eritrea was actually a part of Ethiopia before yeah. when the TPLF were, the, they helped Eritrean People's Liberation Front actually was an ally of the TPLF when they were fighting against the Soviet-backed government. Oh, so okay. so in Eritrea was a part of Ethiopia, but then they got their independence and the TPLF went to war with them because the TPLF were the government of Ethiopia oh, for many okay. years. So for the 20 years of this war, the TPLF were the government in charge, but once Abiy Ahmed went in charge, he, when he became the yeah. person in charge, yeah. he tried to end it, and Wait, he did end it. So I, I am confused on one thing. Are the Eritrean troops there uh, on their own accord, or are they there in support of the TPLF? Or uh, no, they're supporting Ethiopia. So they're blocking aid sent in by... Um, so there has been a lot of aid sent in yeah. by, like, by UNICEF and other NGOs, and yeah. also many countries have sent in aid yeah. to, uh, to obviously assist the TPLF since you know, they could be... There's, their population is probably starving and facing a lot of hardships because of this yeah. conflict. And the air train troops are actually blocking the support, which is... So they're allied in this case with Abiy Ahmed. Yes, um, they are. And the Ethiopian government. Against the, their, their old enemies, the TPLF. Yes, the, the TPLF, exactly. So now, Hamza, can we talk more about the, the nature of this fighting? So it started with the sneak attack, or not, or the surprise so attack, yeah. yeah, on the Ethiopian military installations, and then we have the intervention of potentially some foreign powers. What's the, what's the nature of this fighting? How does it evolve? What's so going on? <coughs> The Ethiopian government responded harshly to that attack. They started airstriking Tigrayan city villages, Mm -hmm. killing many civilians. And they launched an offensive into Tigray, which which Abiy Ahmed described as a law and order operation. And this was a pretty pretty, uh, brutal campaign against the TPLF in an effort to squash this insurgency before it could get out of hand. Okay. And that's where the Eritrean government came into play as his allies. Yeah. There were multiple atrocities committed by both sides, for sure. Like Amnesty International reports that one village called Maikadra, there was a lot of non-Tigrayans. It's a village in Tigray, and the TPLF basically massacred a bunch of people there after the Ethiopian government had basically taken the had had made lots of advancements into Tigray yeah. and they there were a lot of non-Tigrayans in that village so they massacred them and then the TPL uh, and then the Ethiopian government and the Eritrean government they've both been accused of using rape as a as a weapon of war yeah. in a way and they've been killing many civilians as well so so we're already seeing from the very beginning of this conflict potential human rights violations being Definitely. committed on, on both sides. Yeah. Both sides of, of the fighting. And the fighting seems, it seems like at first the government, which in an effort to, this law and order operation as you called it, in an effort to, to stamp out the insurrection, 
made early progress along with Eritrea. Right. Yeah. They were able to take the capital of Tigray, which is Mikel. Okay. But then af- as the war dragged on, T- the TPLF, their leaders were able to escape, and that's how their insurgency survived. They were able to continue fighting in other parts of Tigray. They yeah. began to launch offensives into neighboring regions like Amhara and Afar. So yeah. the Amhara security forces, they were ha- heavily supporting the Ethiopian military because okay. one of Abiy Ahmed's main base of support comes from the Amhara region. Amhara being another like, Another state. ethnic region, yeah. yeah. Okay. And the Amhara, the Amhara people, basic, they support Abiy Ahmed generally. Yeah. Then the region of Amhara is sending security forces to aid the Ethiopian army. In Tigray. Because yeah. because the TPLF is also launching attacks into Amhara and Afar, yeah. which are two other regions. So first, there's some success in the government, but it seems like in some ways Tigray seems to have been making more ground recently. What has been the root of this success? Of the Tigrayan army? Yeah, recently, like we mentioned before. Sure. Like, Ethiopian yeah, military. so they they've basically been able to outlast the Ethiopian army because the Ethiopian army would basically be an occupying force in Tigray, and they can't stay there forever. So as they were withdrawing, or they were beginning to withdraw because they believed they had won after they took the capital, uh-huh. the insurgency survives. They continued. They come back. There's a, a, a heavy blockading of. Tigray that was going on as well um, by the government to prevent aid to coming in and that was one of the big stories of this and there are also many allegations against the Ethiopian government there's many of the reporting around this should also be taken with a grain of salt because there is a communications blackout and there's not and the Ethiopian government is not allowing journalists access into that area or to Ethiopia so most of the reporting is based on TPLF statements Okay. So it's not all verified, but the UN, dis- uh, there are reports of a genocide against the Tigrayans, which the UN did not say that because they yeah. released a report, though those allegations were in the media, but the UN released a report that said that um, although there is a system trying to prevent unfettered access of humanitarian aid to Tigray, yeah. it's not a genocide. Yeah, And they did not use the word genocide in that, but they are not allowing unfettered access into that area which personally I think they should because uh-huh. it's humanitarian aid but of course the Ethiopian government is not going to allow unfettered uh, humanitarian access to a region that is at, they are at war with. I, yeah. And, and David, can you tell us more about the, the UN response to this conflict? Because as Hamza mentioned, they've been very careful not to use the word genocide, which may or may not be justified. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I just have flashbacks to Rwanda yeah. when I when I hear the UN that's, yeah, that's hesitating to use the word genocide. But but of course we actually really don't know the situation. Yeah. Only and it, it, this situation could have a lot of parallels to Rwanda as it plays out. And yeah, also the word genocide, if the it, it would mean that they're taking a side. If they said it's a genocide against the Tigray, then that means they're taking the Tigray side. And obviously yeah. the UN and wants they want to, access. And yes, and they want to remain neutral in this situation, or at least for now. But yeah. the UN Security Council, uh, they did call for an end to hostilities. Yeah, the members of the Security Council reaffirmed their strong commitment to the sovereignty, political independence, and ter- uh, territorial integrity of the unity of Ethiopia. Yeah. So obviously the Security Council is saying, you know, put an end to this conflict. Yeah. We don't want this to spiral out of hand. Yeah. And another interesting aspect of the story is that Ethiopia, it's, it's the seat of the African Union. Yes. What, have, what has the African Union done in, in response to this conflict, which is right at their front door at this point? So the African Union has sent envoys to Ethiopia to try to facilitate talks. Mm-hmm. They've sent the former Nigerian president, 
Uh, Kenya's president has sounded the alarm about the developments there and has urged de-escalation and negotiation. But uh, Prime Minister Ahmed has made it relatively clear that he does not want peace in this situation mm-hmm. and that he kind of wants to crush the Tigray without, you know, flat out saying it. And his his reasons for that, it's speculated that if he were to try to go for peace right now, yeah, there's a good chance that he could give the Tigray what they want. And he wants to go into this with a leg up on them. You know, he wants to be in the position of power when making negotiations. Yes. Because right now, I, I think... Well, I mean, I, I feel like I would uh, push back a little bit on that because... The, the Ethiopian government did offer a ceasefire to mm-hmm. the TPLF after the TPLF retook the capital, which is so admittedly which is when they were in the right exactly. Of power. So they did offer a ceasefire, admittedly when they were no longer in the position of yes. power. But if the the TPLF did have the chance to end the war there, mm-hmm. which they they refused because at that point they were their in their campaigns were already well into the other regions, yeah. so they were basically moving. T- um, they were making gains in their campaign, and that's when their campaign shifted from protecting Tigray to trying to overthrow the government. Yes. Yeah. So now that they're trying to overthrow the government, they rejected the ceasefire. Okay. All right, hold on a sec. Wait, so let's, so we'll get into the, the motives right. of Tigray, because yeah. that, that's a great question. Like, what is their ultimate goal here? But l- I want to first clarify the state of the conflict right now, like today. As I understand it, there's the Tigray, uh, the TPLF, is not that far from the capital. Is that is that correct? Or that's that's been the media. That's talk. been the media talk. But is and then when you read the article, you see that they're like 300 mm-hmm. kilometers away, which is like 200 miles, which is pretty far. Okay, so it's but a little bit. It's a little like bit exaggerated. it's a little bit exaggerated. But they have taken big cities like Desi and Kabulcha, I believe that's how it's pronounced, in Afar, and they're also trying to take this railway that connects yeah. Addis Ababa to a port in Djibouti because Ethiopia is a landlocked country, and that's a very strategic mm. railway. So yeah. they have taken those. They are trying to take those areas. But whether they're actually yeah. about to take the capital, that's disputed. Like over the weekend, yeah. there were huge demonstrations in the capital in support of Abiy Ahmed. So yeah. if there, w- if the city was about to fall, I don't know if that if there would be these big celebrations going on. Yeah. But so, but it is fair to say that that the government of Ethiopia is not in its strong position as it was. Yeah, definitely. And so that, that plays into what David was saying. Part of the reason that Abiyadin might not want peace rate this second is that they're at the, the lowest point they've been in a while. I mean, is that fair? Like, what are the incentives against peace here? Well, yeah, let's start with Well, the, t- the, the incentives for the TPLF against peace for them would be because they're, they believe they're going to take overthrow the government. Mm-hmm. Incentives for Abi Ahmed, I'm not entirely sure, since he did offer the ceasefire, mm-hmm. which would have then allowed um, them to lift their blockade of Tigray and allow more humanitarian aid in, which 300,000 people in Tigray, the UN reports, are suffering from the effects of a famine right now. Okay. And yeah. so that could have been, uh, uh, that the ceasefire could have, potentially solve that. Also, it's not cl- the TPLF might not trust Abiy Ahmed. That might be another factor why they rejected it. So there's, again, an, almost an ethnic dimension there as well. Exactly. Um, so what is... I mean, you mentioned that they, there's a talk of overthrowing the government. That doesn't sound like the start of the conflict. I mean, when you... The start right. sounds very defensive. Right. Like, we have elected a government, let us elect our exactly. government. But this seems like the, the conflict has morphed a bit. Am I correct in saying that? Or it's Yeah, it's straight a little bit from its initial meeting. 
And so, and this when you t- when you also look at the bigger picture and realize that the TPLF were the government of Ethiopia for nearly 30 years, and it, it, you yeah. can see this conflict as either a resistance group trying to defend themselves against an encroaching foreign go- federal government, or you can see it as the old guard trying to retake power against a democratically elected government. Yeah, those it, are two ways to view this conflict, it's and it's not and it's not clear which one is correct. It certainly tarnished um, Abiy Ahmed's oh, definitely. reputation yeah. on, the, on the world stage. So you could talk about this. For someone who won the Nobel Peace Prize, yes. uh, is currently presiding over yeah. a, well, I think it's fair to call a civil war. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. that's certainly not helped his... Yeah, his image and stuff like that. I mean, even within like the, like the African Union, I mean, the African Union wants peace. Yeah. The, the heart, Ethiopia is the heart of the African Union. And for a civil war to be going on right there, that could potentially lead to not only conflicts within the like the African Union, but I mean that could destabilize the whole region. Yeah. And one effect, um, the Ethiopian government has been providing a lot of support to the government of Somalia, and uh, Somalia's government is relatively fragile, and they've been dealing with yeah. terrorist groups and stuff like that. And without the government's support, Somalia could obviously break out into chaos, and then that it could be a domino effect throughout the region with countries kind of breaking out to chaos and. Yeah, stuff like that. There's been kind of like a scramble of foreign diplomats and AU and international organization diplomats yes. to try and get peace because yes. they're realizing now how advanced this conflict is. No one wants ha- the yeah. conflict. Sorry for cutting off. No. Uh, nobody wants this conflict to be happening. Yeah. On and the international stage. On the international stage. But it, it has the potential to destabilize because Ethiopia is so important for the region, for Africa in general. It has the potential to destabilize things. All right, last question. Um, what is, is needed for peace? We both can answer this one. Well, first of all, both sides need to come to a ceasefire. That would be the first step. If they were able to come to a ceasefire, they would potentially be able to come to a power-sharing agreement. Or if the Ethiopian government recognizes that the TPLF are the government of Tigray, yeah. that could potentially end the war. But the TPLF is intent on trying to take the government over. So... Um, there's really no. Yeah. I don't really see them really accepting a ceasefire now, yeah. especially since they're in the in the stronger position. One can say. Yeah. And this also poses a threat to the rest of Ethiopia because there are other there are more ethnicities that want to have want to yeah. re- retain their power, so they yeah. may join the TPLF resistance movement. I know the Oromo Liberation Army. They are very also opposed to Abiy Ahmed, even though he is of their ethnicity because under his administration there were alleged assassinations of high-profile Oromo leaders and they were blamed they they blamed Abiy Ahmed for ordering those so they're also not big fans of his government but I don't see the government falling yet or anytime soon but this conflict is still going to drag out unless they both come to a ceasefire this conflict is is still protracted It's, its end does not look like it's anywhere in sight just yet just yeah. All right. This has been a great discussion. Hamza, David, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having me. And joining me now to round out some other headlines this week is our news briefer, Annie Hebel. Hey, Annie. Hey, Eric. So what are you keeping an eye on this week? So there's a few really interesting headlines that have happened this week. So mm-hmm. COVID cases are surging again in Europe, and the son of a former Libyan dictator is running for president. Now, what is happening with COVID in Europe? So COVID-19 cases are surging once again in Europe, increasing fears that a similar fate may be on the way to the U.S. 
Mm. October saw a significant rise of cases on the continent of more than 50%, with more than 2 million cases being recorded during the first week of November, which is the highest single week rate since the beginning of the pandemic. Countries such as the Netherlands have re-entered into partial lockdowns, and Belgium has re-established mask mandates in all public places and are even requiring vaccinations to enter into bars and restaurants. Though overall high vaccination rates have helped reduce severe cases and death in much of Western Europe, many Eastern European countries have seen severe spikes in death, largely due to vaccine hesitancy among large populations of individuals. Okay, COVID, the story that never ends. Mm -hmm. And finally, what is happening in Libya? Yeah, the son of former Libyan dictator Muammar Gaddafi has announced that he plans to run in the country's presidential elections next month. Saif al-Islam is wanted by the International Criminal Court on charges of crimes against humanity committed during the country's 2011 uprising, which was very populist and NATO-backed, which ultimately saw the toppling of his father's 40-year regime and his eventual death. Al-Islam was captured in the uprising and released in 2017, before which he was seen as a potential reformist of Gaddafi's regime. His candidacy is likely to invoke controversy across the divided nation, which has been split into separate East and West governments following Gaddafi's fall. The upcoming election is the first to unite the East and the West since 2011 and aims to end the country's war and bring on a more democratic future. Okay. Yeah, Gaddafi was not our name I was expecting to hear in the news. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Annie, thank you so much. Yep, thank you. Have a great week. And that is all we have time for today. Be sure to follow The Global Current on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for updates on upcoming shows. This show would not have been possible without our dedicated crew. Executive producer Jared Dang, associate producers Jasmine DeLeon and Joaquin Matsumis, technical producer Chimdi Chukukere, and associate technical producer Andrew Kulia. And of course, your host, Eric Bunce. As always, keep it current with us and catch us on the waves every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. on 89.5 FM WSOU. Until next time, thank you. <laughs>